many times have you celebrated your 39th birthday? When age 50 creeps up on us, we deny it, hide it, and do everything we can to ignore each birthday that comes after. But why? Let's celebrate our voices of experience. Whether you're passing 50, passing 60, or approaching another decade, we've got great discussions and guests to help you embrace every year you've got under your belt. If you're passing 50 or more, pull up a chair. We've got something just for you. Now, here's your host, Robin Boyd. Well, hello, everyone. This is Robin Boyd, and welcome to Passing 50. Passing 50 is a platform uh, for discussion. Uh, we're here to chat and sort of share all of our journeys together, uh, all about the fact that time is passing, and we're we're along for the ride, like it or not. And often it's said, you know, that the older we get, the faster time seems to go by. Well, if that's true, then let's share how to make the most of this time and not focus on what's flown past us, but let's set our sights on what's ahead. I've got a great guest with me today. Uh, Her name is Judy Coffrin. She's a certified yoga instructor and one who has redefined her goals at a later time in her life. And I want to introduce her to you in just a minute. Um, You know, it's been researched and said that exercise is maybe more important as we get older than ever ever before in our lives. Um, According to Dr. Alvaro Pascual Leone, he's the professor of neurology at Harvard Medical School, exercise keeps the brain healthy by improving memory and problem solving and may even reduce the risk of dementia. Um, This is probably not a brand new concept, but they're learning so much more all the time. And while exercise is helping your heart, your joints, your muscles, there's a lot more blood supply because of that that goes into the brain. And he is stating that you can actually regenerate new blood cells relating to memory, problem solving, and executive functions. Your brain is literally working better. So if that is a testament for getting up and getting moving, I don't know what is. (laughs) Let me um, introduce you to uh, my guest, Judy Coffrin, uh, who can talk a lot more on that topic. Judy has raised two children and is watching her grandchildren grow and has supported the growth of hundreds of children in their formative years and at one point she finally said it was time to as she said go inside myself and find me hi judy that sounds so intriguing welcome to passing 50 hi robin it's great to be here Oh, thanks for being with us today. It sometimes sounds scary. You know, I remember being 20 and thinking 50 was old. And I remember being 30 and thinking, oh, 60 kind of getting up there. And now all of a sudden, <laughs> 50 went by and 60 went by. And I'm thinking, well, gee, 80 isn't so bad. <laughs> we really have to look at at it in perspective, don't we? <laughs> it's really true. I, I remember growing up in the age of the 1960s when anybody over 30 was over the hill. So yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm way over the hill now. 
I know, um, isn't it true? You know, I think many of us, especially women, feel the same as maybe you did. Uh, we are so many things to other people. We're a spouse. We're a parent. Maybe as we start to get older, we're in that sandwich generation, ca- caring for an elder and still having children. But where are we in all of that? Did it, it, did you find that to be so for you? Um, I absolutely did, yes. And um, it is really hard to be in that in-between generation. You're always on the go, um, whether you're taking care of a house or kids or uh, elderly parents or uh, working outside of the home or whatever you're doing. It's really hard to squeeze time in for yourself and to even think about um, who you are and what you really want out of life. Um, and so when I hit my 60s, I was wondering the same thing. And Mm -hmm. at the age of 61, I mean, I had always done some kind of exercise, whether it be, uh, oh boy, with Richard Simmons way back in the time or, (laughs) or whatever, or I know, or walking or whatever, but, um, yoga always intrigued me. And I'll be honest with you, I tried it um, with a few uh, DVDs, and it was very difficult, mm. and so I gave it up. And then I went mm. back to it by the, when I was about 61 and um, started thinking about what I was going to do maybe when I retired and uh, how was I going to um, sustain whatever health that I already had. And um, I just tried, and I would recommend this to anybody, I tried many different studios until I found the one that was the right fit for me. Hmm. It is true, I think, that um, whether it be a counselor, whether it be a physician, whether it be um, even going back to to school, you do have to find the one that sort of resonates with you. I think every everybody has either a different instructional um, protocol or maybe a different passion. And I think sometimes it's a matter of finding who you relate to and who might have that similar passion. And it's not always easy. And I think sometimes that's where we get discouraged. You go and you try it and you say, oh, that's not for me. It didn't work. Uh, you know, I, I, I tried it once. Well, I tried skiing once. <laughs> maybe that didn't work for me. But I never went back and tried it again. And maybe if I had gone back, I I could now uh, be on the slopes more often or something. It's, it's true. You do need to look around um and find what's right for you and being brave. I think there's a certain amount of of courage that it takes to do that. Um, what was one of the biggest challenges for you when you decided you wanted to pursue this? What was maybe a barrier that you had to overcome? I think one of the biggest barriers that I had to overcome was actually feeling as though I could do it. Um, getting in there and putting in the time and um, just being persistent. And I was lucky because my instructor, and if this is what you're looking for, you'll want to find an instructor like this, was always giving modifications for poses, um, always explaining that whatever is right for you might not be right for the person next to you on the next mat. 
and that your concentration should be always right on your mat. And um, that's something that I bring to my students as well, that um, it, it doesn't matter what you're doing or how you're doing it or what your neighbor is doing. What's important is how is it feeling in your body and how is that translating to um, your mind-body connection? How, how is that playing into it for you? So it, it's really a very individual activity and I think a lot of people are scared because they see many yogis who can contort their bodies into incredible positions I'll tell you right now I can't you mm-hmm. know and mm-hmm. I certain I you know in my 60s that's just not um, a possibility um, maybe it would have been when I was younger but you know what even when you're younger and you're starting yoga your body has its limitations your muscular mm. um, uh, muscular uh, system has limitations as well as your skeletal system. So you might be able to go really far in a back bend while your neighbor cannot, but your neighbor might be able to do um, all kinds of, you know, might be able to take their leg up over their shoulder and mm. you cannot. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it really, it, I know, it really doesn't matter. What matters is if you're feeling it in your body. There's a wonderful um, yin yoga instructor named Bernie Clark who says, if you're feeling it, you're doing it. And he also tells us to find the Goldilocks position. So, you know, you want to be able to feel something, but you don't want to go over the limit and feel as if you've um, gone too far and certainly if you feel any pain that is not acceptable at all you should back right up out of it and I think a lot of people don't know that when they're first starting out and they feel like oh those yogis are so flexible well they didn't get there overnight True. and they weren't flexible the first time they walked into a yoga studio either so I think you just need to give yourself permission to be the new kid on the block and just learn in your own pace and in your own time, and uh, you'll get there. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the operative word, giving yourself permission. I know we've talked so much about this on our other show. Um, I'm also host of Military Mom Talk Radio, and I find that so many times we have to give ourselves permission. We need to give ourselves permission to sit down and read a book for pleasure for maybe 20 minutes in our day. We need to give ourselves permission to go for that walk um, and and not uh, finish the laundry or finish the, the report that's due tomorrow. That's so difficult, I think. We, we put so much pressure on ourselves to produce, to perform in our in every other aspect of our lives that it sometimes makes it so difficult when we need to do something that's for us so that we are better in the other realms of our lives. I mean, why do we put that mask on our face at the, in, in a, they tell us if the uh, air mask comes down on an airplane, you put it on yourself before you put it on your child. Um, it's because we need to take care of ourselves so that we then in turn can be our better selves in every other aspect 
aspect. Um, we're, we've got our first break coming up, Judy, in just a couple of minutes. And on the other side um, of the break, I'm going to want to talk um, a little bit more about success and finding success and how to find um, you, you were very brave to, to decide that you were going to pursue this and, and to reach it. Um, so we want to talk a little bit more about that um, on the other side of the break. When uh, we, what I do want to share with everybody though is uh, Judy does have a website. Um, it is turtlesongyoga.net and um, we do want to invite you to visit that. Uh, you can meet Judy and learn a lot more about not only her practice but some of the things that are most important to her. So uh, Judy, we want to learn a lot more about you as we continue our discussion uh, on passing50.com. This is Robin Boyd with you, and we're just so glad you're here with us today. So stay tuned, stay comfy, and we'll be right back. Stay right where you are. Passing 50 will be right back after these messages. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Did you know that the average teenager drinks twice as much soda as milk? Since 1983, sugar consumption in the U.S. is up 28%. Why is that? There are several reasons, but one of the most common is soft drinks. 20-ounce beverages have become the norm, and it's not surprising to find that 43% of our sugar comes from drinks. Sugar is blamed for poor nutritional diets. USDA data shows that people whose diets are high in added sugar eat less calcium, fiber, iron, protein, and many other important nutrients. Fat-free foods are also a culprit. Since sugar is fat-free, many people tend to think it's okay to eat as much as they want. Remember that just because a food is fat-free does not mean that it's calorie-free also. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Got a lead foot? According to state troopers, here's what not to do when you get pulled over. Don't be a lachrymist and start crying right away. It doesn't help. But if you're under 20, crying won't be held against you. Don't ask for a break. Don't yell or start any argy-bargy. And one trooper said, if they're going to flirt with me to get out of a ticket, it would probably insult my intelligence. But unfortunately, I don't get hit on all that often. So flirting or being a gill flirt won't work. Did you know that 15% of all drivers get 76% of all traffic tickets? And the odds of winning if you challenge a traffic ticket in court are 1 in 3. So, So what should you do when you get pulled over for speeding? Be courteous to the officer, and most of all, be honest. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. A couple of minutes older, a couple of minutes wiser. We're back to a great discussion on Passing 50. Hi, everyone. We're back. This is Robin Boyd with you on Passing 50, along with my guest, Judy Coffrin. Judy, when you you decided it was time to look inside yourself and find you, um, this must have been a little frightening to think, how can I set a goal and begin to reach it? Um, I know for myself, it's not always easy to set a goal now, 
compare to what I thought I could do when I was younger. I mean, I think when we're young, we tend to be invincible. And you were talking in the last segment um, about focusing on just what's on your mat, just yourself. I was also um, watching something not long ago about Arnold Palmer, uh, the golfer, who was saying that when you're on – when you're on the golf course, you're not looking at the stat board. You're not looking at the opponent. You're just looking at your game. How can I make that putt? Or how can I get out of that sand trap? And really, you have to just focus on on you. Um, how did you decide that becoming a yoga instructor was right for you? Um, and you started talking about going to different uh, certifications. Had you considered anything else other than yoga? Did you think maybe you wanted to do uh, another career or was yoga really uh, a passion for more than one reason? Um, I don't think yoga became a passion until I began actually doing it. I, I did Tai Chi as well for seven years. Mm-hmm. And um, I really enjoyed that. That's another really good um, discipline for um, the older person. Uh, it's good for your balance and coordination as well. Um, and I sometimes incorporate some Qigong, which is a sister um, discipline, um, into my yoga classes. So it all kind of works together to move the energy through your body. But as far as... I don't know. When I was younger, I was always, I think I was always saying no when opportunities arose because Mm -hmm. I didn't have the confidence to be able to move ahead and I didn't feel like I had the ability to move ahead in whatever it might have been. I always felt like I was a good teacher. And that is my first love and my first career as a Montessori teacher for three- to six-year-olds. And I think that was um, life-changing for me, too, because Montessori is a philosophy that um, allows you to open up and see what do, you, what do you really think about this kind of an activity for kids? What do, what do you really think about this philosophy of, of education, of trusting the child and and watching the child and moving ahead according to what the child is doing. So that, I think, was a beginning for me. And as I said, I always tried to do something physical because, uh, I'll be honest, I watched my mother get less and less physical as she grew older, and she had many, many health problems as she got older, and I really didn't want to go there. So... Um, I went to the Tai Chi first and really loved it, but had a difficult time. And this this is what I've always done with my life. I had a difficult time interpreting that into what, how can I present this to children? I'm not saying it's um, impossible, but for me it was difficult because it's so slow moving. Um, when I found that I could do yoga and Teaching it wasn't a problem because I had been teaching for over 30 years anyway, but Mm -hmm. getting into the ins and outs of, you know, well, what is yoga anyway? Um, But then I discovered that I could teach yoga to children as well as adults. So I sort of span the whole uh, lifespan here as far as teaching yoga to 
people. What maybe um, that would be something to talk a little bit about. What is yoga? I think so many times people hear of it, they might be frightened of it, as you said, because uh, maybe we see uh, these people who are in these positions that are um, really very unnatural. <laughs> um, exactly. And how what what is the the uh basis in what is the definition or i guess you, and i don't mean literally i mean more of a uh a figurative definition for yoga well there is kind of a literal and figurative definition okay. it's yoga means yoke and so okay. what you're yoking what you're yoking together is mind and body so it's the whole mind body connection that if you and originally, Buddhists were um, using yoga positions to help their body to be able to sit for long periods of time for meditation. That's mm. really where it started. And um, then it became, I mean, yoga in the United States is very different than it is in India, where, where it uh, originated. There are so many different kinds of yoga now. But... Um, the mind-body connection is the biggest piece of yoga. So when you are performing asanas, the positions, the, um, the postures of yoga, you are trying to get your body in a good alignment so that you don't hurt yourself. And once you're there, then you start to breathe. And then the breathing helps you to go inside yourself and hold the pose and kind of it's it's difficult because it's kind of like a meditation but that is another word that scares people off you have yeah. to understand that your your mind is always working that's what your mind is for mm-hmm. and so even when you're sitting there meditating you're coming up with thoughts which is fine that's what it's your mind is supposed to be doing and so you just recognize that as a thought and then allow it to move on. And then certain things arise that you that might have been um, something you might not have been prepared to think about. Mm. And so you just, you know, let it go. And then maybe later on you come back to it and um, sort of move that into your life as it is today. So um, it, it's a moving meditation, basically. Interesting. So it's good for you physically, it's good for you mentally, and it's good for you energetically. Um, there are so many um, positives to yoga that it's you could go on forever and ever. What I, I would assume that there should be a bit of discipline. Um, because I'm sorry, when I sit down, my my brain reels and I'm thinking, okay, I've got to remember to do this. Oh, and I was supposed to do that. I better write it down. I mean, I'd be getting myself in in, in a, a position and then needing to grab a pad of paper because I wanted to write something down that I just thought of. There's got to be uh, some discipline in letting your brain relax as much as you're letting your brain body relax and to be able to sort of put away the things that are stressing you to be able to uh, flourish in the moment of rejuvenation. It's true. You need to sort of 
pull yourself out of your head and put yourself in your body. And the breathing, the prana, is what really helps there. The, um, mm. As you breathe, uh, it moves the energy through the meridian lines in your body. And so um, there are energetic channels, kind of. They're kind of like, you know, the nerves in your body, they go everywhere and help you to yeah. get messages from your brain and give messages back to your brain. And that's kind of the way the, um, the meridians and uh, work in, in yoga and Tai Chi. Uh, and it's it's just bringing, letting the energy move through your body. And you do that through your breath. And mm. it helps, the breath helps you to um, to relax. And um, this is where the mind-body connection comes in. I think that's probably the, the biggest challenge, um, it is that discipline in, and then I'm sure it comes more easily. It's the beginning and how to get yourself to, uh, to that point. Um, do you feel your success more in your physical well-being or possibly your emotional strength that you set a goal for yourself and that you reached it? Um, I'm not a real goal oriented person. I sort of take one foot in front of the other and step through life that way. I've always been that way. Um, and so I just kind of try to keep moving forward, I guess. And um, I've always been, I guess this is the teacher in me, mm-hmm. I'm always interested in something new, learning something new. So um, when in relationship to the Montessori classroom, I'm always trying to find something new for the kids. So in relationship to my yoga practice, I'm always trying to find something new for the students. Um, I mean, there are only so many asanas, and so you have to present them in different ways um, and um, help people to create that mind-body connection and a lot of times, um, if it's difficult for people to do that on their own, especially if we're moving slowly in uh, a yin class, a yin class is where you hold poses a little bit longer, um, I will do uh, a guided meditation. And I think that is very helpful to some people to to just listen to my voice and sure. I'll take you through I'll take you through a uh, a, a stroll right through your body. Um, just taking your mind to different parts of your body. Very, very relaxing. This is most likely in Shavasana. So that would be at the end where you're lying on your back. And I always tell people, it looks like you're doing nothing here. But what's happening is you're integrating everything that's happened in the class beforehand. Your body is oh, integrating. Your mind and body together are integrating. And it's just all coming together. Oh, my goodness. It's uh, I. I... I'm actually listening to your voice and just sort of wrapping myself around your words. Um, and I can very much see how, um, how this is, uh, such a wonderful place to be is wrapped around your words, Judy. Uh, we've got another break that we've got to, and I feel badly because here we are just sort of relaxing and listening to your words and we've got to take this break. But, um, on the other side, I want to talk 
more about purpose, um, especially you've talked uh, a bit about your Montessori children. And I'd like to talk about purpose and what that, um, how important that is in our lives, especially as we get older. So we'll be right back with Judy Coffrin after these messages on Passing 50. Stay right where you are. Passing 50 will be right back to these messages. Laughter was such good medicine. Ancient Greek physicians sent their patients to visit comedians to be healed. In the 1300s, surgeon Henry D. Mondeville used to tell jokes to his patients in the recovery room. Dr. Mondeville must have been a bit of a vitzel such. That's a person who tells jokes and no one ever laughs. We laugh six times more when in the company of another person than we do by ourselves, and 30 times more when we are in a group. Laughter isn't under our conscious control. If you've ever started cacinating at school, in church, or at a funeral, you know what I'm talking about. Cacinating is another word for uncontrollable laughter. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Did you get up and stretch during the break? Great! Now you're ready for the next part of our discussion on Passing 50. Did you get up and stretch during the break? Great! Now you're ready for the next part of our discussion on Passing 50. Welcome back, everyone, to uh, Passing 50. Uh, if you'd like additional information on this show or any of our Passing 50 shows, please visit our info page at beckmultimedia.com. That's B-E-C-K, beckmultimedia.com, or our homepage uh, at passing50.com, which is passing50.com. And today, my guest is the wonderful Judy Coffrin. And you know, Judy, I think one of the hardest things when we face retirement is maintaining purpose. We spend our lives holding our families together. We are a vital member uh, of our team at work, at a job. And then all of a sudden, the kids grow up, our jobs no longer are the center of our lives. And how does every individual find that purpose? Um, I recently read an article by Sarah Bosley. She's the health editor for The Guardian magazine, uh, saying that baby boomers should stop thinking about putting their feet up and that uh, she said some uh, 42% of 52 to 64-year-olds have at least one health condition, and of that percentage, 24% of them have more than one health issue. Judy, you've had a very strong purpose in your life, and I, I think it's so challenging for some. I know when Stephen retired, my husband is 67, and um, he retired suddenly. It wasn't quite a planned retirement. He um found himself uh having to take retirement because his job uh they they sized down um and that's happened to so many people it was so difficult for him he tried to find new work he was obviously an older man it's so difficult to find 
purpose. I'm still working. I get up. I have to get to work. I'm focused on what I've got to do to prep for the day. Um, and, and he would be sort of the house husband, if you will, uh, saying, well, so what do you want for dinner tonight, dear? <laughs> and um, <laughs> it, it's so hard to find that purpose. You have talked a lot about uh, so far in, in the show about your involvement with children and probably now even more than ever. Uh, what is your background with children to begin with and then how did that evolve? Um, I think I have always, even as a child, <clears throat> been interested in teaching and being with children uh, I remember um, I, I was the oldest of, I believe, eight grandchildren on my mother's side of the family, and I was wow. always gather, gathering them together um, for uh, to create some kind of play or storyline or 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 something. And um, of course, I didn't know it then, but uh, it, it was kind of like teaching is in my blood or something. I guess, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I I had my children young. Mm-hmm. And that was another thing that uh, I I just I just really wanted to have my own children, and I absolutely loved being a mother, and still do, and and grandmother, and and every bit of it. Um, and so I think that kind of takes me into um, my Montessori training. I kind of fell into that. Um, I was thinking about, well, my my youngest is four and she'll be going to school pretty soon and um, probably I would need to get some kind of um, job or career going and maybe I could use that interest in children to uh, to move forward. And so I called around to several different um, preschools and kindergartens and um, one of them was a Montessori school and they needed somebody and that's where it started and it just when I started teaching uh, Montessori, it just made so much sense to me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and this goes back to my saying no to things. Even though I was kind of saying yes to teaching and kind of saying yes to Montessori, it took me four years in a Montessori oh, classroom wow. as an aide before I actually took my Montessori training. And Montessori that, is very uh, is a very interesting program. Uh, I that my um, early years I was uh, an educator in early childhood ed um, and I did do uh, some work in Montessori for and I have a feeling that Montessori and yoga do complement each other by sheer principle of what the Montessori program uh, is built on could you describe a little bit more about Montessori and why this is such um, so many children resonate uh, well and flourish in a, a Montessori program? Well, Montessori children are um, just normal, everyday children who are given an opportunity to pursue something that interests them. So there mm-hmm. are many different activities in the classroom. We're not all doing the same thing at the same time. Um, the kids have an opportunity to make their own choices while being guided through curriculum by the teachers. Um, but there's, even though, yes, we are doing um, math and language and science and geography and music and art, um, we are always also looking at the social-emotional side of the child. 
So Montessori teachers have always looked at the whole child. And there's a big uh, peace curriculum piece of that as well, um, where we talk about peacemakers and what it's uh, like to be a peacemaker and how can I be a peacemaker and how can you be a peacemaker. And um, there are lots of activities on, on the Montessori shelf to, um, to be able to pursue that. And um, that whole bringing peace to the community and to each other and to yourself is also um, very prevalent in um, yoga. And I think that's where the two overlap and come together so beautifully. And I think this is another reason why I was able to attach myself to to yoga because um, so many of the principles of um, Montessori education are the same. Interesting. Interesting. Do you find um, that the kids are just um, naturally drawn to uh, this kind of, uh, and I guess it's not so much a meditation, but being thoughtful, being, um, uh, th- th- I think kids can be very um, uh, focused on what they're doing despite the chaos that's around them. And that's probably a very good thing because there again, we need to focus on just what we are trying to accomplish and not necessarily what somebody else is accomplishing. It's true, and I think in a Montessori uh, classroom, um, children are given that opportunity to find what interests them and sit down, and they really do concentrate on what they're doing, even though it seems like what what the Montessori teachers feel like are chaos going around them and what other people coming into the class say, oh, my gosh, it's so calm and peaceful in here. (laughs) I do recall the... Wondering, but everybody has purpose. (laughs) Everybody has their little, their their uh, their agenda, if you will, which which is marvelous. Right, and and you know that's how they can find who they are. That's how they can find themselves. And they, I mean, I truly believe that all little people are born into this world as loving, beautiful people. And sometimes the world steps in and changes that. And so. Hopefully, we're trying to just reinforce reinforce their good nature. Do Montessori um, classrooms cover uh, a variety of ages, or are they primarily focused on those early ed years? Um, Montessori starts in infancy and goes right up through high school. It does. And Maria's Montessori, Maria Montessori's genius was. And there are so many different ways yeah. you can talk about her genius. But one sure. of them is that um, she saw that there were different planes of development in childhood or life in general. And um, so she placed three to six-year-olds together, six to nine-year-olds together, and nine to 12-year-olds together. Um, and so in my three to six-year-old classroom, I don't have a three-year-old room, a four-year-old room, and a five-year-old room. They're mm-hmm. all in the same classroom together. And the lovely part of that is that the younger kids look up to those older kids, and um, they ask them for help. And um, the most beautiful part is that they get it given to them lovingly. 
and um, to aspire to be that six-year-old in that classroom, one of the big kids, um, is is a wonderful thing to see and a wonderful thing for them to be able to aspire to. And they, um, uh, I'm getting tongue-tied here. <laughs> That's okay. They, but isn't it true? I think it's true. There are some pe- children as older children do take the lead, but yet um, then they become younger when they move up to the next uh, sort of uh, bracket, if you will, and and then are challenged themselves because now they need to aspire to what some of the older ones are doing. Uh, it, it really is. I, I I'm so glad to know um, that more older children are able to experience this. And I think so many times high schools are are you're you're given the channel that you've just got to follow. You've got to fit the square peg into the square hole. And every child is different, and their learning um, needs are different. Their cognitive skills are different. They don't all develop at the same rate, the same time. There's certainly some standards that um, children are sort of compliant to, but that does not mean that each child uh, can uh, be be put into the same curriculum or the same path that that another child is so uh i i love seeing there being more uh ability for children to uh to succeed individually as opposed to uh being in the in the mass and and having to comply with uh that which every other child is and and every child is going to find a different success um the one child may be able to do uh one thing that's going to be the highest thing for him that day when somebody else already reached that plateau a while ago and then vice versa. So uh, finding those those successes um, for the children. When when the, um, when the work is more individual than if everyone's trying to do the same thing at the same time. Yeah. 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 I know. Uh, We, we do have another, uh, uh, another break coming up, Judy. Uh, One of the things that I do want to talk a little bit in our last segment is, uh, Maybe some, some beginning steps for, for us. Any of us who might have been fearful to take that challenge, to be able to give ourselves that permission, if you will, uh, to, to find something just for ourselves and, and how do we, uh, maybe take a first step. Um, again, I want to make sure everybody knows your website. It is, uh, turtlesong yoga.net um, I, I, I love looking at that beautiful picture of you on that website Judy because that smile <laughs> is just <laughs> one that transcends and I, I love that smile so I hope all of you stay with Thank us you. we're going to listen to Judy a little bit more on the other side of the break this is Passing 50 and again if you want more information you'll want to visit us at Passing50.com Be back in a moment with Judy Coffrin. Stay right where you are. Passing 50 will be right back after these messages. It's words you never heard. Have you ever walked into a room on a mission to get something and totally forgot what you went in there for? 
I do it all the time, which makes me feel like a total civ head, as the Brits would say. Some might blame it on old age, but a recent study reported in the Quarterly Journal of Experimental Psychology suggests the simple act of passing through a doorway causes memory lapses. It appears the brain regards a doorway as an event boundary and effectively files away whatever you were thinking about as soon as you step through. What's a word for the feeling your thoughts are being stolen? Nucleptia. So, what's the solution? Try carrying an object that reminds you of the task. For example, if you go into another room to get a pair of scissors, carry the object you want to cut. It's words you never I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We often ask, is that all there is? Why is this happening to me? Why am I always broke? How am I going to survive this mess? Then join Dr. Geraldine Tegeloff for Nature Spirits Speak, 7 p.m. Tuesday evenings on toginet.com. Geraldine is a metaphysician, nature intuitive, and prosperity coach who shares with you how she went from totally broke to living what she would call her perfectly prosperous life. Through the combination of a wealth of metaphysical knowledge and her amazing ability as an intuitive, Geraldine brings to you the secrets of her magical journey of healing emotionally, spiritually, and financially. As with the ancient seers and master teachers, Geraldine has a unique gift of being able to connect to the simple yet profound messages brought to us by Mother Nature, and happily shares these through today's note to self on her webpage, naturespiritspeak.com. If you need help with your journey, why not connect with Geraldine during her show, Nature Spirit Speak, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Want more information or hear other shows from Passing 50? Check out our info page on beckmultimedia.com or our website, passing50.com. Now, let's get back to our discussion on Passing 50. Welcome back. This is Robin Boyd with you today with Judy Coffrin, and we're passing 50 together. I guess it's been a little while since we passed 50, huh, Judy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's the good thing. You know, we, I think every year you learn something new about yourself. You learn something new to look forward to. Um, and that's, there again, it's that permission. Um, I've got to tell you, Judy, since I've become acquainted with you, I find you such an inspiration. Um, and I want that inspiration to sort of pass on to others as well. What, I'd love for you to give us some advice for finding that permission. What, what we can do to move into a new journey at any age. It doesn't have to be, uh, uh we, go to college when we're in our late teens and our early 20s and we think that's the end of our education which it really is not what's a beginning what's a beginning um i don't know i think it's more like just as i said before putting one foot in front of the other i think it's hard though for some people to figure out exactly what it is that they're interested in um maybe just sitting down Maybe just thinking, maybe just um, going back over your life, what things interested you, um, what things put a little spark in your in your life, what things put a little lilt in your step. Um, for me, it's always been, as I said, teaching and children, uh, music is something that's important to me, 
Um, so, you know, just kind of looking back over your life, I think, I think that's the first step. And then trying to figure out how you can put that together to, um, create something that you can do when you're, um, over 50 or over 60 or over 70. Mm -hmm. And, um, because we don't stop, you know, we don't stop Mm -hmm. thinking. We don't, as you said, we don't stop learning, um, hopefully we're not stopping moving, um, either our mind or our body and, um, just kind of put it in perspective for, for you. If, if you had asked me when I was in my forties, if I would be a yoga teacher at the age of 67, I would laugh at you, yes. you know, <laughs> um, but I'm doing it. Um, and I'm loving every minute of it. And, and that's not to say that I don't get a little bit of um, physical, a, a little bit of physical problems here and there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you learn to um, live with it and you learn to um, find ways around it. For instance, I have lower back issues. And so mm-hmm. when, they, when they pop up, then my yoga takes a different track. I'm not doing as much physical yoga as I am maybe doing some poses on my back or holding some simple poses longer or um, doing a little more meditation um, or something called yin yoga, which I referred to earlier. And um, so you just kind of have to listen to your own body and take it from there, I think. I I know so many people have um, maybe not been physical when they were younger and especially I don't want to keep talking about this younger generation with their technology and all, but when you stop and think, uh, the computers and uh, gaming and whatnot take up an awful lot of people's lives and their days, which means if we're sitting in front of a device, we're not moving uh, the way maybe one did back in the day when we'd be outside and from dawn until dusk and playing and uh, having a great night's sleep because we've been outside in the fresh air all day long. Should should we just realize that yes, even if we'd not been physically active in our earlier earlier years, that yoga is something that we can do even though we've been sedate for so long? Um, definitely, yes. There are so many different kinds of yoga. Um, people over eighty sometimes do begin by doing mm. yoga sitting in a chair. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can do seated poses. You don't have to always do standing poses. You, if you're doing a standing pose, you can hold on to a chair. There are, there's wall yoga. You can do yoga against the wall, um, uh, using the wall for support. There's partner yoga. You can use each other for, for support. So, and there's, there's so many. There's gentle yoga. There's yin yoga. There's, um, uh, power yoga, which maybe an 80 year old is not interested in doing. Sure. Um, or, yeah. you know, but, um, you can, you can start anytime, anywhere. It, it's a, it's a discipline that really, um, is good for just about anybody. It's just taking that first step. Mm. What's maybe one either breathing technique or one um, stretch that maybe is our first step? What would what would something be uh, that you could recommend? Well, 
Um, yoga is all about the spine and moving the spine in different ways. In fact, there are six different ways to use it. So one really good thing to do would be to um, sit down on the floor, cross-legged if you can. If you can't, sit up against the wall. Use the wall to support your, your back. But each time you take an inhalation, see if you can strengthen, lengthen, I should say, lengthen your spine. So sort of like I always say, bring the crown of your head towards the ceiling. So, uh, and then as you exhale, try to keep that length as you exhale, but also relax on the inside of your body. So just that simple breathing. And then um, as you're breathing, place one hand on your belly and then see if you can make your belly blow up like a balloon and maybe count to five. And then as you're exhaling, count to five. And then just do that for a few minutes then maybe start doing okay let's inhale to five and maybe let's exhale to six because as we exhale as our exhalations become longer that's when we go deeper that's when um, our relaxation response kicks in and we go much deeper into the pose and we go much deeper into ourselves Um, so that's a good place to start and then if you think in terms of moving you can do this right in a chair or Um, or sitting on the floor. You can move that spine six different ways. So you could, in your next inhalation, take your arms up over your head, and on your exhalation, bring your hands down on the floor in front of you. So maybe your, your body is not moving really far. You probably have seen yogis who are sitting and, uh, cross-legged like that and their foreheads are touching the floor. You don't have to go there. Mm -hmm. If you're feeling it in your spine, you're doing it. And then sit up on your inhalation. And then on your exhalation, take your hands right behind your back to the floor. And exhale as you do a slight little back bend. So now you're moving your spine in a, a different way. Now you're, you're um, extending your spine. You're doing a back bend. And then inhale to come straight again. And then if you can picture this, take your left hand to your right knee your right hand behind you on the floor, and twist your body over to the right. And just hold that for uh, a couple of breaths. And then come back to the center. And then take your right hand to your left knee and your left hand behind you on the floor and twist at your waist and your middle body over towards the left. So now you've moved your body in uh, four ways. You've folded forward. You've done a back bend. You've twisted right you've twisted left and then the next way to do it is a lateral move so you come back to that sitting position again take a nice big inhalation lengthening that spine again take your right hand and place it on the floor beside your right hip take your left arm up over your left ear and reach toward the right wall so now you're flexing your spine uh, Mm -hmm. laterally and then on your, take a couple of breaths here and come up straight and then switch sides again. So your left hand's going to the floor, your right arm's coming up and uh, exhaling towards the right wall, whatever room you're in, and then inhaling right. forward. So you've, you're, you're breathing, you're moving with the, breath, moving with the breath, and that is um, 
something that is also very yogic. Uh, when you're doing other exercises, you're not necessarily taking one move, one breath. But in, in mm. yoga, that's what you're doing. So you're inhaling to come straight, exhaling to move. Inhaling to come back to the beginning, exhaling to move again. And so mm. you just moved your, your spine in six different ways. And you've oh my gosh. Um, done some pranayamic breathing and you've done yoga. Wow. It really is very simple. I, I, breathing is, mm-hmm. is very key. Um, I, I know I've heard many times people saying that we're uh, symptomatically shallow breathing all the time and yes. that we need to stop and breathe more. Um, right and I'm going to take belly. a very deep breath now. We've, uh, <laughs> we've actually come to the end of the show and I'm, I'm actually very, wow. uh, so sad because we've we've accomplished so much and there's so much to talk about further but judy this has been a wonderful uh chance to not only get to know you but to uh feel inspired to feel uh that yeah we we really can um take on something else we really are are very brave souls that uh nothing nothing should be feared that the challenge is is just that it's just a hurdle and um we we can we can manage we can do we can conquer <laughs> and thank you so much for conquering uh and conquering this this uh this uh visit with me um judy coffrin can be found at turtle song yoga.net um and thank you so much judy uh i appreciate not only this hour but i appreciate your uh time and your thoughtfulness in all that you're doing not only with children but with every generation thanks i feel blessed that i've been able to share it with you thank you so much wonderful wonderful again if uh any of you would like more information from judy it is turtlesongyoga.net find more about judy uh and for this and other shows you're most welcome to visit us at passing 50 Dot com. That's Passing50.com. We'll look forward to another great discussion real soon with you. Join us again on Passing 50. We're glad you spent this time with us today. Relax. Passing 50 isn't so bad, and every year after can be great too. You're in good company. Passing 50 is a production of Beck Multimedia. Join us again for another great discussion right here on Passing 50.